0: We've referenced Quillette before.
1: Yes. Quillette. We have. It's a website? Yes. Apparently it is. Yes. It's on the (laughs) internet. They do some sort of
0: journalism that I feel like we've liked in the past. Anyway, there's this article out. uh, Somebody tweeted it. I came across it. Twitter's microslavery. It's stuff we've talked about before. Uh, Referencing this new book out called Zucked. Waking Up to the Facebook Catastrophe by tech investor Roger McNamee. We and have
1: a copy of that on our uh,
0: our desk. Maybe we should have him on. But anyway, here's a little section from it that I thought it was pretty good. Again, the title of the article is Twitter's Microslavery. Lizard brain emotions such as fear and anger produce a more uniform reaction and are more viral in a mass audience. When users are riled up, They consume and share more content. Dispassionate users have relatively little value on Facebook, which does everything in its power to activate the lizard brain. Facebook has used surveillance to build giant profiles of every user and provides each user with a customized Truman show, similar to the Jim Carrey film about a person who lives his entire life as the star of his own television show. It starts out giving users what they want, but the algorithms are trained to nudge user attention in directions that Facebook wants. The algorithms choose posts calculated to press emotional buttons because scarring, scaring users or pissing them off increases time on site. Facebook calls it engagement, but the goal is behavior modification that makes advertising all the more valuable.
1: For a more ham-handed and obvious version of this, see cable news. Everything is either scary or should provoke your anger.
0: He also goes on to point out that digital abolitionists grow more and more strident and numerous these days. Many, including early Facebook investor McNamee, hail from inside Silicon Valley, people that have decided, no, you shouldn't be on social media. A raft of articles over the last few years have documented documented the wave of Silicon Valley techno elites who, like savvy drug cartel bosses, forbid their own children from using the devices and social media platforms that they build, while they encourage their employees to spend frequent periods unplugged. They know social media and mobile devices create users in the same term as drug users. Yeah. And some have been brave enough enough to lobby the public for a shift in consciousness.
1: I remember an episode of The Sopranos where uh, Tony's dad is a flashback episode. Tony's dad was telling him, never, ever gamble, son. Never gamble. This is reminiscent of the Silicon Valley types. No, I don't let my kids on social media. Of course I don't.
0: And the whole never get high on your own supply Scarface thing. Sure. Um, I just I thought that was really interesting, the idea that so Facebook got all this information on us, figured out what sort of person we were, and then is smart enough with their algorithms to give us little doses of stuff that really matters to us. It's going to scare us and reach our lizard brain. Yeah. So they had to get all this info on us to figure out who we are. Because the there's, there's things that might scare you know certain people on Facebook that I wouldn't care about at all. But there are things you can poke me with. You know, you you can't hit me with climate change and get me to react. I don't freaking care. Right. But uh, something about the national debt or this is socialism or this or that. And now you got my animal brain working and I stay on a little longer. And you, they figured and you, out who you are and how to scare you. And you see that article and then you share that article
2: on your, hey, can you guys believe and then you're upping the engagement of that, which then, for, right, it's a, it's all a cycle to get as many people triggered on that article so you stay on the platform and discuss it, because all right. they're trying to do is monetize your time.
0: I don't sure. know if I'm willing to go as far as the author of the article into calling it slavery in the various uh, ways he he tries to make it seem the same as the way slaves were. <laughs> I'm
1: That seems like a
0: stretch to me. So, uh, Long, complicated. Uh, a bridge
1: too far, as they say.
0: Yeah. But, um, I mean, they've got a picture of a guy with chains around his wrists. And the other end of the chain is attached to his computer screen.
2: That in and of itself is a, is an example of the Facebookification of how stories get spread.
0: Good one. Because you can Good only one. you can
2: only get traction with that story if you're comparing it to slavery. Hey, dude, you just wrote a story
0: about how you have to frighten people to get them to pay attention and hit their lizard brain, and then you went with slavery as a lead. Irony! To get their attention. Wow. Hey, speaking of it. How, how do you combat this other than completely checking out of it? The whole lizard brain thing of my phone goes ding and I think he, there's this is something to either be afraid of or an opportunity—and yeah. I react, it's it. It's, I hate it. I hate it. I
1: hate it a lot. Well, the more I look at the drug parallel, the more I like it. There are some people who can party some and still have a happy, productive life.
0: It's not a huge group. No, it's not, especially for very, for long period,
1: forever. Right. Yeah, and, but it's and, a fun group. And- <laughs> <laughs> and i want to hang out with them no i don't oh and and the group of but the group of people who think they're in that group but aren't that's a big group so you've got lots of people who think they're managing their social media just fine they they're angry and tense and and unhappy with their lives in the world and dislocated and lonely for other reasons i can handle social media just fine though they're saying you know like a junkie Speaking of junkie hood, unless you want to talk about this a little more, we have a guest coming up, but just one quick note. I got this note from, um, he told us, uh, scroll down, did they sign this? I don't like to, uh, Tadashi, I'm down in New Orleans for a little, uh, bucket list Mardi Gras trip. It's and Fat Tuesday, everybody. Every Tuesday's Fat Tuesday. I never ah. did, I never did Mardi Gras sort of thing I definitely
0: should have done, but a long time ago. There'd yes. be no point in going in. Oh, no, 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 no.
1: at this no, age no, and uh, no, the fact that I don't drink and no, no. should have done it before. If streets that are slick with vomit appealed to you, then I encourage you to go. I also
0: bet Mardi Gras is the exact sort of thing that people have been saying, oh, no, it's no fun anymore. It's ruined. I'll bet people right. have been saying that for 50 years.
1: It's not 100. <laughs> right. Right. So, listen, they, they went to a museum and they said it was a funny coincidence because we were talking about big sugar on the show the other day and government subsidies and stuff like that. And uh, they came across this in the museum they were at. Brace yourselves. In the seventeen 1700- hundred, Where's the obesity epidemic coming from? In the 1700s, the average human consumed four pounds of sugar a year. Four pounds a year. By 1800, he consumed 18 pounds a year. Whoa! By eight- whoa, whoa, whoa. I gotta wrap my head around that. Uh, okay, so we've gone from four... To 18, by the year 1800. By 1870, that 18 had grown to 50 pounds per year. Whether it was served to granulated sugar, as molasses, or as rum, sugar's ever-growing demand was reflected in its price. We're still, we're still pre-the invention of Pop-Tarts. As a result, it became known as white gold, desirable and expensive. Oh, White gold. Where were we? In 1870, it was 50 pounds a year. Today, the average American consumes between... Hold uh, on to your giant ass! (laughs) Consumes between 150 and 170 pounds of refined sugar per year.
0: Holy cow. Yes. I don't understand why we're fatter. It must be video games.
1: (laughs) In the 1700s, four pounds a year. Now, 150 to 170.
0: Wow. Well... Why isn't that stat more readily known? Holy
1: Big cow. Sugar is choking it. Squashing it. Holy cow, that's incredible. So the $1 million slush fund allegedly moved around by AOC's uh, campaign manager and her boyfriend, how he benefit from it. Mm, this is interesting. We'll have a reporter on it next.
0: How about this guy? What's his name? Adam Levino, but he doesn't drink, take in 150 pounds of sugar a year.
4: So while he's talking collusion, 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 I think in oversight, we should be talking about taxes, taxes, taxes and his bank account, his bank account, his bank
0: account. There you go. AOC. Why well, while well, well, Mueller's talking about collusion, 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 we should be talking taxes, taxes, taxes. And uh so the the, the collusion thing's just over. We I mean, that's that's that that's done. It's on to the taxes. But AOC's one of the people leading the
1: charge. Lovely. Well she's hot. Campaign finance crimes are a big deal. Uh, she better wake up <laughs> and smell the, uh, the charges. There is an accusation that her chief of staff uh, illegally moved almost a million dollars in campaign contributions in a weird off-the-books way. And Alana Goodman is uh, writing about it for the Washington Examiner. Alana is an investigative political reporter. Welcome. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. Thank you very much for uh, spending a couple minutes with us today. So tell us, what is being alleged?
4: So yesterday, the National Legal and Policy Center, which is a a government watchdog group, they filed an FEC complaint against Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez and her chief of staff, Shoikot Chakrabarty. Uh, And the complaint alleges that they broke campaign finance laws by failing to properly disclose payments. And this was an arrangement that, you know, as part of this arrangement, Chakrabarti appears to have funneled over a million dollars from two federal PACs that he set up into two private companies that he controlled. And the PACs say that the money was being used for campaign work, but there is really no way of knowing how it was actually spent because corporations don't have to disclose what they're spending money on, unlike on PACs.
1: So he um, formed a couple of PACs. They raised yeah. a bunch of money, and then they paid almost a million dollars to a private company that he happened to own
4: Yes, they raised okay. about three point three million dollars during this time period um, mainly small donors um, these are you know progressive activist types who gave twenty dollars thirty dollars you know small small money amounts um, and that was a lot of money to raise uh, about. A million dollars of that money was then sent to two corporations that uh, her chief of, well, now, now chief of staff. He was not her chief of staff at the time, um, but that Chakrabarty controlled. And we don't really know what happened to that money. It was, uh, it was disclosed in the FEC filings as payments for strategic consulting. Um, but, I
0: wonder if they're paying you know, off that, Stormy that, Daniels, that too. too. Any chance of that? <laughs> Everybody's paying off Stormy Daniels. Um, uh, so that was a key detail you just mentioned there, that uh, okay. he wasn't chief of staff when this happened for AOC, but he is now. Yes. So this is a problem for Congress him. Congress not that, that sounds like that's a problem for him. It's a small problem for her, and that turns out I just hired a person that's a crook, but he didn't do that to benefit her then, if it happened before he was even...
4: Well, it's it's interesting, and and certainly we don't know how much... You know, she was aware of this. But one of these PACs, um, she was actually a board member of. It was actually just the two of them. It was okay. uh, Ocasio-Cortez and Chakrabarty were the two board members of the Justice Democrats PAC. And that was while, well, you know, this while well, this was happening. So it's, again, unclear what she knew, but this is something that the FEC can take a look at.
1: And then early in the campaign when they didn't have much money her her boyfriend was on the payroll and got paid thousands of dollars for it's not clear what um and they'll look into that but so I I read your piece and it's excellent I was clicking around and Fox News covered this and they they quoted a handful of people um some of the more conservative leaning are saying it's it's clearly illegal and a problem <clears throat> but then they they asked other people like the former FEC associate general counsel um and he said it was a total mystery why you would establish an LLC rather than simply create a normal venture like a consulting business and do it on the books. Yeah. And um,
4: yeah, I mean that's what people do all the time in Washington. You right? You, you know, you start a consulting firm and you work for campaigns and they pay you, and that's that's how it works. Right. So it's a little odd to do it where you're starting a pack and then raising money through that, and then starting a Company and paying that company for consulting. Is there any chance um, that any
0: of this fits into the explanation Trump like that? She had no belief she was going to win. I mean, it never even <sighs> crossed her mind that she was going to win. So, well, I, I do the details I do of that how it, the money it, was being handled wasn't being paid attention to.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I do think that it did come as a surprise to some people, but um, you know, I, I think that we'll we'll just have to see when sure. the FEC starts looking into this because honestly, we just don't know, and that's what that's what was. I think so. You know, surprising to campaign finance attorneys who I spoke to about this, and people who have worked at the FBC, because they're like, this is just so odd. It's just a really weird arrangement, and we have it's it's totally opaque. And you know, so she has made dark money and her opposition to dark money a big issue. So right. there's also right. there's also that. You know, I mean, this is the ultimate. The, you know, dark money machine. When you're using a corporation, um, you know, putting campaign funds into a corporation, so we can't see what you're spending at on. Right. right.
0: I only have one more question for you. So, what sort of stuff do you usually investigate? We're looking for a new person that we go to regularly from the Washington Examiner, and we're thinking you might be the person. What sort of stuff are you usually great. writing about?
4: Yeah, I do. I do. I do politics. Awesome. Um, yeah, money, money and politics issues, and the presidential campaigns as what's, well. What's
0: and your favorite sports, sports team? We'd
4: really like to get to know down. you a
1: little bit. What's your favorite oh, sports I, team?
4: <laughs> You're putting them in a the spot here. If you don't have one, what's um, your favorite TV guess, show?
1: Don't I, go Hillary Clinton on us. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know what my, my favorite TV show, I guess. I, I really like The Haunting at Hill House. I know that came out a little while ago on Netflix, mm-hmm. but that was, I think, Sean, that, that acceptable the best. answer?
0: Sean, our TV guy, is, says that's an acceptable well answer. Done, <laughs> well done, that
4: was, that was, <laughs> Alana. Well done. Alana Goodman. I think that was one of the best in a while that has come out, so Excellent. I recommend
1: uh, it. Well, that is number 430 on my list of things I absolutely must watch. <laughs> Alana Goodman's an investigative reporter for The Washington Examiner. Uh, really great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right. We'll talk again. So, listen, I wanted to get to this quote. Former FEC Associate General Counsel for Policy, Adav Noti, um, who is not a partisan guy, said it was a total mystery to him why Barty had established an LLC seemingly to take money from the PAC rather than simply create a normal venture like a uh, consulting business certainly it's possible to use an LLC or other kind of, in, and then he goes through a bunch of different ways you could do it. He said, what's so weird about this situation is that the pack that dispersed so much of its money to one entity that was so clearly affiliated with the pack. usually that's a sign of what's known as a scam pack." Um, he, But then he says, on the other hand, it might be innocent because this would be such an obvious way to to commit it. Nobody would be dumb enough to do it. Then... To get to the quote, I really wanted to give you. On the other hand, their explanations don't make a lot of sense on their face. I read their explanation multiple times, and I still don't understand it. If you started wanted to start a business to provide services to campaigns, many of those are organized as LLCs and use all your services. So he says he just he can't even understand what they're trying to say they were doing. So, who knows? This Chakrabarti guy is a Silicon Valley gazillionaire, super progressive financier of, of progressive campaigns. He ought to have some idea what he's doing. He is not a babe in the woods.
3: What's coming up in your news, Marshal? Dams moving on from the Mueller report as collusion charges appear to fade. We had an arrest and a brutal attack at a conservative activist at one of the country's major universities. And only the second person in the world has been cured of HIV using a controversial treatment.
0: Yeah, it's uh, pretty shocking that it's taken this long.
1: You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Remember, as you're enjoying this fabulous podcast of the radio show, you can also get the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast and Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, our long-form interviews available via the iTunes podcast app and the iHeart app.
0: We've made fun of Miley Cyrus a lot through the years. i Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Um, actually, uh, Marshall was twerking earlier in the studio. Was that yesterday or today? That was yesterday, the end of the show, and you twerked. Or was that this morning? That it was this morning. morning. Was this morning you twerked. I yes. remember you twerked at some point. Yeah. Anyway, Miley Cyrus, who we've made fun of, and uh, probably deservedly so, um, she is a coach on a show called The Voice, and this woman who uh, was a... Have
2: you tried more cigarettes?
0: <laughs> <laughs> this woman who was a big star in The Voice named Janice Freeman died the other day. Yeah. at a very young age um 30 uh, something 3132 uh, yeah blood clot had a daughter and Miley Cyrus has come out and said I'm going to take care of her daughter because they'd become friends over the time so you know it's quite possible Miley Cyrus is actually a very good person. She well, just sure. she smokes a lot. Well, she <laughs>
2: smokes a lot,
1: and she's a randy little minx. Yeah.
2: I make fun of good people all the time. Well, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, yeah. I just uh, I yeah. assumed she what was, was it, kind of a little
1: black and white in your world. I world? just assumed <laughs> she was
0: kind of a, probably a little more, uh, I don't know, for herself than that, than raising someone else's child who died. But that's what she's going to do. On uh, news now, Marsha Phillips.
3: Well, Democrats are intensifying their investigation of President Trump. You got the House Judiciary Committee sending out more than eighty document requests to various parties in the Trump administration. The committee said to be looking for evidence of corruption, abuse of power, and obstruction of justice. Moving on now from the long-awaited Mueller report. Yeah, the Mueller report. We have this quote from
0: Kevin McCarthy. He said this on Face the Nation over the weekend.
1: Nadler is setting the framework now that the Democrats are not to believe the Mueller report. They're now saying we have to do our own investigation.
0: The Democrats are now setting the framework to discredit the Mueller report. After we heard for the last two years, two full years practically, that the Trump side was trying to discredit the Mueller report so nobody would believe it would come out. Wasn't it cause celeb for a long time that we had to pass legislation protecting the Mueller investigation and Mueller Oh, yeah. The biggest worry was Trump will fire Mueller. And we and have we'll to never pass get... a law to prevent it. And then just recently we had hearings on whether the attorney general would release the report. And can we have this attorney general? Because he said he's not sure he'll release all of the report. Apparently, something has leaked from the Mueller team. And everybody in D.C. knows now that there's going to be nothing there. All right? So he got... You got Nadler saying that. You got Kevin McCarthy saying, no, no, watch out. The Democrats are trying to discredit this report. And Eric uh, Trump was, it? yeah, Eric this morning, Eric Trump, said the entire thing needs to come out. We need full transparency on the Mueller report. Wow. Which means he's heard the news. Wow. That there's nothing damaging to dad in it. Wow, what a change in a week that is.
3: And adding to all that, you got former White House lawyer Ty Cobb during an interview with ABC's The Investigation podcast saying the Mueller report's likely going to spare President Trump from any serious political harm, but Cobb adding that the House Oversight Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings and House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler and others will continue to go after Trump. All these people are basically hell-bent on issuing a lot of subpoenas to get to the, um, um, get to the administration and
1: perpetuate this investigation. So Cobb then went four for five and spiked a shortstop.
0: <laughs> here's the political question. Does the subpoena cannon blow up in their face? How does America react to, wait a second, I thought the Mueller report was the thing. It comes out, there's all this fanfare, there's nothing. and But they say, ah, but that's not the real stuff.
1: The real stuff is this. Mm. Is America going to say, all mm. right. Wait a minute. Or agree. I don't actually yeah. know. Well, I, I have a guess, and I feel pretty good about it. You, you remember me, Joe Getty, I co-host the show. I told you the whole Trump emergency uh, declaration thing was an overreach, and it would not hold up. Okay? So I calls them as I sees them. And then it won't overcome the veto, but the president is going to get hammered in the Senate. He's already lost the House on that. So uh, I called that one against Trump. I'm telling you, this whole we're going to subpoena everything and investigate anything. Uh, A move now, it's not going to play well. It really is not. I I think it's a terrible mistake. I think it absolutely, it's like a a blacksmith forging a sword on Game of Thrones. It's just going to harden the hardcore support for Trump, and it's going to so tire out and make cynical a lot of the persuadables they might be a little sympathetic toward the uh, the Trump Meister.
0: You're clearly a Throny. I don't think I you've gone a day without a Game of Thrones <laughs> reference in, in weeks.
1: Hang out with me for a few more weeks. I won't either. You're really a Throny. Enjoying it. That's that show with, is pe- so brutal, people though. People
0: are fans of Game of Thrones. You call Thronies. I don't know if you knew that.
1: <laughs> you made that
0: up.
3: But I like it. <laughs> Switching gears. Man, I've seen enough intestines. I get it. Sword fights. I get it. Switching gears. The Alameda, California County DA's office is considering charges against a man accused of attacking a conservative activist on the University of California campus, Berkeley campus, earlier uh, last month. You're
1: considering charges? He's a big guy who beat down a little guy in public. He's dangerous. Charge him!
3: Had that attack caught on camera, the campus police arresting Zachary Greenberg. Greenberg is bonded out of jail. His arraignment is set for tomorrow. He is accused of the February 19th assault on one Hayden Williams. Now, Williams was on campus... Recruiting for a conservative group called Talking Points USA. He was at a school plaza. A couple of men approached and one punched him during a confrontation. Not once, but twice. Greenberg seen on the video landing the two punches on Williams. Again, the incident recorded by two Cal students with their cell phones. Neither Williams or Greenberg are affiliated, it turns out, with UC Berkeley. Here's, a, here's an example of thank God for
0: cell phone videos, because this would have gone nowhere without the video, probably kid goes and complains to somebody there's a little then you know there's no public outcry um so they caught this guy good
1: yeah but they've got to charge him
3: oh absolutely. absolutely doctors say that a british man with hiv was given a stem cell transplant and has now been 18 months off hiv drugs with no trace of the virus it's the second time there's been such a success the first patient has been HIV-free for 12 years. doctors say the stem cell donor is somebody with a gene mutation that confers natural resistance to HIV. Despite the news, though, stem cell transplants, doctors warn, are very dangerous, and they have failed in other patients with HIV. But this is the second case where it's actually
2: gone away. Once again, I don't, I don't appreciate this erasing of Magic Johnson from the history books. He had his press conference, 1991, just continued his undefeated high school championship, college championship, <laughs> pros championship, <laughs> defeated the undefeatable disease. This man deserves our respect.
3: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> there you go, standing up for Magic. That's your news. Yes. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show. That's the conscience of the nation. There Michael a- Jordan was getting cut from his high school team,
2: not Magic Johnson.
0: <laughs> right.
1: All right, all
0: right. <laughs> he got over his AIDS, we understand.
1: Yeah. And
2: um, when he had
0: those AIDS. <laughs> right. There you go. Oh,
1: boy. What was right. that? That was the owner of the Donald Clippers? Sterling in the Clippers. That's right. That's yeah. right. Talking about Magic Johnson? Didn't like his uh, his girlfriend hanging around with black guys. Oh, right. Including and then he, uh, Irvin. And
0: then he hired that hot little archivist.
1: Oh, right. 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 I got a lot of archiving to do. <laughs> I got archive back when he had those AIDS. Oh, geez. Nice. Uh, nice. Seems like an unlikely owner for the NBA. Well, he's the former owner now, right? Good. Freeze up my time for more archiving.
0: You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The Conscience. Of the nation. Another promise, another scene, another, like keep- and the ad council.
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm not running, but I'm going to keep uh, working and speaking and standing up for what I believe.
1: Uh, how about you don't do that either? <laughs> Sign the Democratic Party. <laughs> so Hillary Clinton
0: apparently announced she is not running. Oh, I thought God. she might. Well, well, that settles that. that. Uh, I think there's still a chance if it's like all muddled and mixed up and everybody's, you know, they've got like five <sighs> people at around 18%. The draft Hillary
1: movement. Nah, they'd have to yes. start it themselves. Yes. Nobody else is going to start the draft. Yes, anymore. well, there was some. Uh, there were some reporters for some reason asking a bunch of the Democratic frontrunners whether any of them had uh, had a meeting with Bill Clinton to talk to him about strategy or anything yet, and all of them said no, no, uh-uh, no, not even once. No. So the Clinton brand is just. Mm. It's
0: well, it might be dead if she's serious about she ain't going to run. And that story we had yesterday that none of the current people running are looking to Bill Clinton for advice, They yeah. that, that might be mm-hmm. over. That chapter of American history is over, mm. which is something. It was quite a chapter. Um, we're into this new chapter right now, USC News. Remember the other day we had the clip of Bannon, Steve Bannon, who ran uh, Trump's campaign, who said this this next year is going to be uglier than anything we've had in this country outside of the Civil War, as as worse than the Vietnam era, which I thought, how
1: could it be worse than the Vietnam era? That's you got to substantiate that, Stevo. That's some big talk.
0: I actually don't think that's well. Obviously, it's possible, but I don't think it's going to happen. Over who replaces Trump, or if he's replaced, surely we're not going to have shootings on college campuses, and you know bombings all over being the country. Burned
1: down. Yeah, surely that's not going to. Yeah. Happen.
0: But in terms of political divisiveness, just that two completely different views with the country ought to be. I suppose we could be there. That I'd buy, yeah. USC, their poli-sci department, out with uh, their data scientists. I don't know what data you use. But they say political polarization is its worst since the Civil War in this country.
1: Uh, Okay. So they're saying
0: it's worse than 60s and
1: 70s. Well, yeah, lack of common ground. There weren't a lot of people running around saying, we could have some slaves, you know, by 1860. Actually, there were some saying that, but, you know, as old Link put it, a house divided against itself cannot stand.
0: Uh, we typically think of blah, 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 King, or we think of a left-right political spectrum. The left-right dimension alone accounts for about 85% of variants. In uh, the legislature, that means I'm trying to, I'm just, I hadn't read this ahead of time. I thought there might be something interesting here. Another way to think about polarization is to look at something called the overlap interval, the measure of how many Republicans lie to the right of the most right-leaning Democrats and how many Democrats lie to the left of the most left-leaning Republicans. Today, the overlap interval is zero. That is not always true. In the 1960s, for instance, you had intervals where about 50% of legislators and the two parties overlapped.
1: Yeah, I can picture that. Sure, your blue dog Democrats were very, very, very much like your more... Rockefeller
0: Repo- Republicans. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Your more liberal Republicans. There was a huge overlap. And now it's zero. Uh that won't work.
0: Huh, interesting. Well, we'll see.
2: I feel like that's a byproduct of just the... the- The only having two choices where we've talked about it, where when you're in a primary, the only way to distinguish yourself from the rest of your party is by being the most of whatever that party is.
1: But unless you got the wigs or the bull mooses on your mind, it's been that way for many decades. So you think it just ended up here? Yeah, I think over the compounding effect of that over time just eroded the middle the middle road. Here's a question for you you had the uh federalists and the uh democrat republicans democratic republicans what was what was uh, jefferson i never remember those old timey parties i'm just remember i'm trying to remember when was the longest two party run prior to the modern democratic and modern republican mm, parties i don't know and you almost it's it's a tough one to figure out because if you go back to like the southern democrats or the 40s 50s and 60s who were avowedly racist and reactionary and, it was and, the
0: democratic party in the south that kept things the way it was for blacks right for all those decades in the early 20th century right so and they all became republicans at some point
1: right um meanwhile the republicans were trying to you know push civil rights and the rest of it and then Kennedy came along so I don't when would you date the beginning I don't know. of the modern yeah cuz I'm trying to give Sean's a, a, a terrible a, terrible theory <laughs> at least some consideration that's where the rubber meets
0: the road though is in the binary choice you can have all these nuances of trump this or that but then it's going to come down to most likely him versus one other person yeah and if you and then you have to decide which of these people most is is most likely to do most of the things that
1: I want to do, I would love to see f- a five-party system, where generally speaking, the two biggest vote getters can form a coalition and and rule. Sometimes maybe you sometimes, rule. Even <laughs> <laughs> oh, sometimes so who- you have to add that little third one just to get over fifty percent. And but then you get together like in a parliamentary system, and you say, oh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna rule kind of like this. We'll give you guys the you can be secretary of that, and yes, okay, we'll vote for that. Blah 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 blah. blah. We'll work together. I say seniors rule. Seniors <laughs> oh, rule. Boy. Juniors kick ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> class 2020. Oh, uh, But we don't have that. Instead, we have this. With zero overlap? Mm. That's amazing. we got to get somebody on who did that study. From USC. Yeah.
0: It's kind of interesting. So that's what they mean by the most politi- po- politically divided we've been since the Civil War. Mm. That, that hasn't been the case. Among our legislators, legislators—that's
1: amazing. It is pretty amazing. So the the leftiest Republican, Lisa Murkowski, is to the right of the most conservative Democrat, maybe Joe Manchin, in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Congress people who can bother to memorize their names—they're <laughs> all a bunch of yuck yucks. Whatever. Right. <laughs> Please go down to your local Walmart and. And uh, pick the 435 first people you see. <laughs> Make them Congress. They do everybody as well.
0: But so then, back when there was overlap, if you were to the, if you were a Republican who was to the left of some of the Democrats, why weren't you just a Democrat? Because you wouldn't get elected in your particular state.
1: Yeah, and or there were aspects of the Republican Party platform that you liked, and you wouldn't want to go away from. I can picture that. I mean, you know, a great example would be uh, farm Democrats in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. They're Republicans in every single way. Except for subsidies. Except for subsidies, yeah. So they stay Democrats. Yeah. That's a good one.
3: It is now my incredible privilege to present Final Thoughts with these moron Armstrong. And
1: Getty.
3: Wow. How good is that? Wow. How good is that? Was that from his speech the other day? Yes.
1: Yeah. Unedited. Oh, no, no, no. Here's your host, Joe <laughs> Getty. If You can find that email, Hanson. Tell me you sent that. I want to salute them on the air. I heard that at home and busted a gut. How much time did it take to put that together? God bless you, my friend.
3: Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Uh, my, uh, Marshall Phillips, which final thought? I went out and bought a batch of Scratchers yesterday in honor of my 13th anniversary the Armstrong and Getty show. They are marinating now, even as I speak. So Friday, me, we may all get the reward of pork. Oh, the yes. sweetest reward. Michelangelo, final thought? Yeah, proof that people can change just Bieber is now a Christian man, and Miley Cyrus wants to be a mom. There you go. Huh? Redemption. <laughs> Meanwhile, your children are growing up. <laughs> wow. Think, think about that.
1: it. <laughs> Alright, you're done. Stop it. A positive Sean.
2: Final thought? Yes, the Captain Marvel movie coming out this Friday uh, features Brie Larson playing the, the female Captain Marvel. She is actually the third of the Captain Marvels. There was Billy Bastion, who was the Shazam character. There was the alien warrior named mar Mar-Vell. M-A-R-V-E-L-L uh and now she is the uh carol Dan- danvers is the third iteration so i hope that clears up your confusion from earlier
1: fantastic jack.
2: lord someday
1: give me that 10 seconds back
0: jack do you have a final thought i'm trying to quit coffee i was just wondering anybody ever done it that was a big time uh, caffeine user and quit doesn't have to be coffee caffeine uh text me or, or or tweet me or something what'd you do how'd you do how'd you react did you fall apart did you lose your mind
1: I may talk about this tomorrow. I don't know. I I, uh, I got a new smartphone yesterday. Um, upgrade, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not excited about it. I resent it. Is it an Apple product? Yeah. I wish I hadn't had to do it. Didn't particularly want to do it. I'm not excited about it. I feel like I've let something into my home. My relationship with technology, like a lot of people's, has really changed. Hmm. I'm wary of it. I'm not in love with it. Right.
0: Yeah. There's danger there. Yeah, exactly. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So
1: many people. who Thanks a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Our clicks are there. Look under hot links. very. to the various... You can email us. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Tell Jack about quitting caffeine and we'll pass it along. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com.
0: Are you supposed to do a cold turkey or wean yourself off? I'd have I to don't. Google it and I don't have the time. See you tomorrow. God bless America.
3: And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done.
1: Thank you, and good
3: night. (laughs) And the show's over.
1: (coughs) What? Bye-bye. Perfect. Meow. Armstrong and Getty.